Hey, good morning, good morning. Good to see you all. Your beautiful eyes, eyebrows up. I love it. That's how you're smiling nowadays. Uh, my name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. Welcome. Uh, everyone's here. And then those who are watching online, I actually do have my iPad figured out. So if you're there, give me a holler back online uh, on our church online platform. I'm seeing Lisa and Wendy. Good to see you guys. If you're there as well, let me know. And uh, you can comment on my uh, denim jacket if you want, even, or whatever you want to say in the chats. And uh, I'm going to see it here. So we're going to see. Uh, Wendy's going to moderate you, though, if you are online saying anything too naughty. So don't do that. But yeah, I'd love to just see who's all here watching online. You can put that in the chat on our online church platform. Um, but yeah, again, so great to see you all today. You know, I know this is out of the ordinary in this season, and, and times are different, but God is still good. Amen? Amen. amen. God is still good. Amen. Amen. If you're watching online, type in amen for me so I can see that. Um, But I love that we actually get to be together as a family. I know it's harder with our kids, but I got to be honest, how cool is it? Again, I said this two weeks ago, we got a mom and her son in here leading worship together. Amen. That's pretty cool. I love seeing second graders and five-year-olds lifting their hands and, and, and praising Jesus A couple weeks ago, one of our moms was sending her oldest off to kindergarten for the first time. And she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she wanted to put it on, you know, those little cards for the first day of kindergarten. And he said, you know, mom, a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And she texted me that story. I thought, man, how amazing is that? That even a kindergartner who has been coming into our services, he knows that's what he wants to be, is a follower of Jesus. And so, again... I appreciate it, parents who are here today with your kids. I know it's not easy. We don't mind, again, have them color, whatever they want to do. We'll do our kids' lesson at the end. And for those who are at home, man, so great you're here. And like I mentioned before, we also have our kids' lesson on YouTube. So again, an idea, if you're watching online, put the Mosaic Kids video on, you know, on a different TV or an iPad for your kids. Let them watch the the kids' Bible story while you're in service. That's just a way, too, you can do that. Um, but yeah, we are in this series talking about spiritual habits. And last month, we talked about we want to be followers of Jesus. And we said that Jesus is both teacher and Lord, and he invites us to be his apprentices or disciples. We said that, that word Talmudim, those who are followers of Jesus. And uh, the goal of being an apprentice with Jesus is transformation. This verse is not in your notes because I threw it in this morning. Um, But in 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our goal is transformation. We don't want to just come listen to a message and get some information, but we truly want to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Bradley, I see you said amen. Thank you. I'm glad you're you're there. Uh, And uh, that is our goal. Here's what Dallas Willard says. He says, spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. And so there's this process of becoming more like Jesus. We've said that what we do on a regular basis, we become If you're in the habit of eating McDonald's and donuts, you're going to become the kind of person who doesn't eat healthy foods and isn't going to have a healthy body. 
If you're in the habit of filling your mind with, you know, uh, news channels and, you know, social media and all this stuff, you're going to become the kind of person whose mind and heart is permeated by an attitude of fear. Uh, Here's the thing, you know, all news is for profit. Let's just get that out of the way. Whether it's Fox News or CNN or, or MSN, all news, the goal is to make money for those advertisers. And so, what they do is fear-mongering, and they want you to click on those news stories early in the morning because that gets them more money. So let's just be honest about that. Um, I'm not saying you stick your head in the sand, but we, we should approach all news understanding these are not not-for-profits. These are for-profit organizations. They have an agenda for you. Facebook is free to us, but it has an agenda for you. It wants you to stay on there as long as possible so they can sell you more marketing so it can make more money. And so instead of being shaped by... CNN or Fox News or MSN or, or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, we said we want to be shaped by the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be the dominant influence in our lives. And this goal of transformation is a partnership with God. And we've talked how maybe that makes you a little nervous if you come from a certain theological tradition where it's all in God and nothing on us. But we've said that grace isn't opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. We can't earn our salvation with God. Our standing with God is through Christ and what he did on the cross. We can't earn that. But, but grace is not opposed to earning, or, or to effort, sorry. It is opposed to earning, not to effort. And so we want to learn the right habits that will help us become followers of Jesus. My son Joshua uh, I like to embarrass him every once in a while, and I told the kids that whenever I use them for an, uh, an illustration, I have to give them a dollar, so I owe you a dollar later, Josh, all right? So uh, yesterday, uh, the boys were home, the girls were out shopping, and uh, Josh was kind of looking for something to do. I was like, all right, bud, practice piano. He hadn't practiced at least on Friday, so I said, all right, you're going to practice for 40 minutes instead of 20 minutes on Saturday, and it was tough. He didn't feel like doing it. He didn't want to do it, but... He did it, and he got through it. Here's the thing. I didn't love him any more after, Josh, you practiced piano. <laughs> he, it didn't change his standing. But I have a vision for Josh's life. My vision for him is he can be someone who loves music, who's able to use what I believe is a natural gifting to lead people in worship someday, to write music, to create music, Whether or not it's ever a career, I believe it's something that he is gifted in, and I want him to grow in that. However, he's not going to accomplish that vision that I have for his life unless he puts in the work to practice, unless he has a desire to become that person. If he doesn't, he gives up music. That's totally fine. I'm not going to love him any less. But I have a vision for his life. In the same way, God has a vision for our lives. He wants something better for us, to not be consumed by materialism and greed, but to live a life of simplicity, a life of generosity, to not be consumed by anxiety and fear. Instead, try to walk in the path of peace and the way of Jesus, to not hold on to to hurts and and, uh, uh, bitterness, but to be people who are willing to have good boundaries but also walk into forgiveness. And if, if you never change, God's not going to love you any less, but you won't accomplish that vision he has for your life 
To be someone who, who brings the goodness of God wherever you go, who, who is a bringer of peace and joy and, and blessing. If you ever wanted to change, though, and you aren't sure how to do it, well, again, it's learning the right habits. If you want to lose weight, you have to change your habits. You have to eat differently, be active, change how you sleep, how much water you drink, all these things to learn the right habits. If you want to get out of debt, you can't just keep living the same way. you got to make some hard choices. You have to actually spend less money than you earn. You know, you have to set aside time, ways to be generous, to pay off your debt, to say no to some financial things and be like, you know, I can't go out to eat because I need to pay off this debt and, and get into those habits of doing that. In the same way, if we want our souls and, and, our, and who we are to change, we need to learn some new habits. Again, it's not about trying, it's about training. Training to become like Jesus. It's not trying hard to earn something from God. It's training ourselves. That's why we're learning these spiritual habits. Joshua can't yet lead worship. He is not yet able to play Mozart. But it's not that he won't ever be able to play Mozart or lead worship. He just can't yet. And so he needs to continue training. In the same way, if you look at your life and you're like, man, I don't feel like I really reflect Jesus all that much, I I still got a temper, or I'm bad with my money, or I'm holding on to bitterness, or I'm just, you know, whatever that might be. It's not that you won't ever become like Jesus. It's that you're not there yet. And so we partner with the Holy Spirit, what this kind of theological term of sanctification, to grow and change, and as the Holy Spirit works with us, as we partner with him, we become more and more like Jesus. So we've said, excuse me, we have these spiritual habits uh, we talked about the first week, hanging out with other believers. That we cannot do the Christian life alone. We have to be in community. And for you, especially now during a pandemic, that may look differently. It may mean, all right, I don't really like Zoom anymore, but okay, we're going to have a Thursday Zoom conversation, and we're just going to check in with someone so I still have community. Maybe it's texting more or more phone calls, uh, you know, whatever that might be. Or maybe it is, again, there's some people that you feel comfortable with about, you know, meeting at a restaurant or, you know, outside, or, or even in a home, whatever your level of comfort is, that we still need to be hanging out with other believers. We need to have community. Second, last week we talked about being active in our church. That's not just volunteering. That, that's part of it, is serving others. We talked about, um, you know, there's the, the 59 one another's in the New Testament. And last week we talked about the 16 ones. Uh, we went through those. And that we cannot live out the one another commands on our own. They're impossible. You can't one another by yourself. You have to be in community with one another to bear one another's burdens, to pray with one another, to sing to one another, to teach and admonish one another, to, to uh, just yeah, lift up one another's burdens. You can't do that by yourself. And so you have to be in community with other Christ followers to live out these commands of the one another's. Today, we're going to talk about Bible engagement. Bible engagement, or, or the scriptures. Now, to be honest, I know some of us take issues with the Bible or what Jesus referred to as the scriptures. I think even those of us who try to take Jesus and the scriptures seriously, we run into problems. Maybe you were puzzled by it. Maybe you're bored by it. Its language can be strange or complex, difficult to comprehend. Maybe you've tried to read the Bible before, but you come away from each reading more confused than you started. And you're like, there's some good stuff in there, but there's a lot of boring stories, genealogies, religious codes. I don't understand this. 
Maybe even you're like, I'm not even sure I can trust this. How can this millennia-old book possibly speak to our life in the 21st century? Maybe you see the Bible as archaic at best and morally reprehensible at worst. Maybe you're scared of it. Uh, Maybe you you thought, if I actually decide to read the Bible and live it out, what new doubts am I going to have? What what is God going to ask me to do? Am I going to have to move to Africa and become a missionary? Am I going to have to give away everything I own? Maybe the Bible's been weaponized you in the past, and you're worried that could happen again. But yet, if we look at the life of Jesus, we see a life deeply entrenched in the Hebrew Scriptures, what the Bible calls the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. Jesus quoted scriptures, he meditated on scriptures, he wrestled with scriptures, he interpreted the scriptures, found his identity in scriptures, built his ethic on the scriptures, and framed his world in the story of the scriptures. So how do we reconcile all the baggage we might have today with our desire to apprentice under Jesus of Nazareth? Well, first, the first step, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, is we need to be honest about our thoughts and feelings about the Bible. Be honest about our thoughts and feelings about the Bible. I want to encourage you this week, this is kind of your first piece of homework, you know, find someone that you trust. Again, we talked about last week how you need to have at least one person in your life, not, not even a whole small group, just one person who's not your spouse. You can be honest, you can share who you are, talk about your doubts, talk about, you know, how are you following Jesus, you know, what's going on. And just, or two people, a triad, and this week share just kind of your thoughts on the scripture. Maybe it's, man, the scripture is the dominant influence of my life and I've, I have no issues with it. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're like, though, I don't know if I can trust this, or I don't understand, you know, how could God command the genocide or, or these things or whatever issues you might have. The first step is just find someone that you're journeying with together and just be honest. Hey, here's my thoughts, here's my feelings about the Bible. Second, we need to understand the Bible wasn't designed as a convenience reference manual or textbook. It's, it's a library designed for transformation. It, it, it's a series of books that are all different genres of literature. Here's what uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, equip, may, may be complete, equipped for every good work. And you can just say the woman of God as well. All scripture is profitable for teaching, for correction, for training in righteousness, so we may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so what is the Bible? Well, there's this amazing online resource uh, called The Bible Project. If you're watching online, let me know if you've checked out Bible Project videos. I can see you, Brad and Wendy on there. Awesome. Uh, But we're going to check out this little teaser trailer uh, for, they did a whole series on what is the Bible. So Christina, I think we got that. Go ahead and roll that teaser trailer. Have you ever opened up the Bible, started reading, and gotten really confused? You aren't alone. That's why we created an ongoing series called How to Read the Bible. It explores the overall story of the Bible, how it came together, and provides techniques to help you approach all the different types of literature you will encounter. Whether you find yourself reading narrative, poetry, or prose discourse, we hope that this series will help you read the Bible more wisely and with greater understanding. To get started, watch our first video in the series, What is the Bible? All right, so there's this really cool series of videos they just did about what is the Bible. And so actually right now, a little teaser, we're going to watch episode one. And then what I'm going to encourage and invite is I'm going to start an evening 
Bible study. We're going to watch these videos. They're about five minutes each. It's something we like to do with Joshua or Rebecca sometimes at night before they go to sleep. From 9 to 10 p.m. I know it sounds late, but hopefully that you can get your kids to sleep. You know, brew a cup of tea, watch in your pajamas, and just log on to Zoom. And if, if you're interested in signing up for that, just go to our contact page on our website, shoot me an email, and just say, hey, I want to be involved in, the, in this Zoom. We're either going to do it on Wednesday night or Thursday night, so it kind of depends on what works for people. From 9 to 10 p.m., again, you just stay at home, you log online, and we're going to watch a video, uh, discuss it, and then watch a second video and discuss it. It'll be 60 minutes. And so if you're kind of wondering, what is this like? It's super helpful, super benef- beneficial. You can watch them on your own. But I think, honestly, talking with others in community and asking questions about this and the different genres of literature uh, is super helpful. So, again, as a little commercial for that, we're going to start that next week, either Wednesday or Thursday, kind of depending on what works better for people. Go ahead and check out this first video. Again, it's just five minutes long. The Bible. It's one of the most influential books in human history. It explores the big questions of why we exist. It's inspired many people to do amazing things. And confused many others. And you've probably got one sitting around somewhere. So, what is the Bible actually? Well, the Bible is a small library of books that all emerged out of the history of the people of ancient Israel. And in one sense, they were just like any other ancient civilization. But among them were a long line of individuals called prophets. And they viewed Israel's story as anything but ordinary. They saw it as a central part of what God was doing for all humanity. And these prophets were literary geniuses. Really? Yeah, they expertly crafted the Hebrew language to write epic narratives, very sophisticated poetry. They were masters of metaphor and storytelling. And they leveraged all of this to explore life's most complicated questions about death and life and the human struggle. So there's a lot of different authors writing this book. Yeah, and these texts were produced over a thousand-year period, starting with Israel's origins in Egypt, then leading up to their kingdom with their first temple. But eventually, they were conquered by the Babylonians, who took them away into exile. Then, at a crucial moment in their history, many Israelites returned to their land. They built a second temple, they reformed their identity, and this is when the Jewish scriptures began to be formed into the shape that we have them today. Okay, the Jewish Bible. What's in it? Well, in Hebrew, it's called by an acronym, Tanakh. The T stands for Torah, sometimes called the Law. That's Israel's five-book foundation story. The N stands for Nevi'im, the Hebrew word for prophets. And this section consists of the historical books that tell Israel's story from the prophet's point of view. Then you get the poetic books of the prophets themselves. The K stands for Ketavim, the Hebrew word for writings. This is a diverse collection of poetic books, wisdom books, and more narrative. And the Jewish people believed that through all of these literary works, God speaks to his people. Now, there were other Jewish writings being produced during this Second Temple period as well. Yeah, a really diverse group of texts. And these two were highly valued in Jewish communities. And there was debate from ancient times about whether or not some of these should be considered part of their scriptures. So this is a lot of different writings over a long period of time. Why did they put them all together like this? Well, altogether, these texts tell an epic story about how God is working through these people to bring order and beauty out of the chaos of our world. And it all builds up to a hope for a new leader who would come and renew all creation. And then the Tanakh concludes, and this leader never comes. So it's an expertly crafted work, but it's missing an ending? That's exactly right. Now, a few centuries later, a Jewish prophet comes onto the scene named Jesus of Nazareth. He claimed he was carrying the Tanakh story forward. 
Yeah, so Jesus did a bunch of cool stuff, was killed, but his followers claimed he was alive from the dead. Yeah, they said that Jesus was that long-awaited leader who would restore the world. And so his earliest followers, called apostles, they composed new literary works about the story of Jesus. They called these good news or the gospel. They formed an account called Acts about the spread of the Jesus movement outside of Israel. And then they circulated letters to different Jesus communities all around the ancient world. And they saw these writings as part of the scripture. Yeah, the apostles wrote all of this as the fulfillment of that epic story found in the Tanakh. And they were continuing the literary genius of the Jewish tradition. They also believed that God was speaking to his people through these texts alongside the scriptures of Israel. So that's the Old and New Testament. But what did the early Christians think of the other Second Temple literature? Well, different groups had different views about some of these books, but we know they read them and valued these texts because they passed them along with the Jewish scriptures. Okay, so we've got the Tanakh, the Jewish scriptures. We've got these other Second Temple period works. Then the writing of the apostles about Jesus. And that's a lot of literature, so what's in my Bible? So the Christian movement has taken different forms over 2,000 years. And from the beginning, all Christians recognized the Tanakh and the New Testament as scripture. And for centuries, much of the Second Temple literature was read as part of the biblical tradition. The Catholic Church eventually made it official and called some of the books from this collection the Deuterocanonical Books. Some Orthodox churches used even more books from this Second Temple literature. And then in the 1500s, during the Reformation, Protestant Christians wanted to go back to the oldest writings of the prophets and apostles, so they accepted only the Old and New Testaments. Okay, I think I got it. But how does a collection of books produced over a thousand years by all these different authors tell one unified story? Yeah, that's the question we'll address in our next video. Very, very cool. Uh, Bible Product is an amazing resource. Uh, I vaguely, kind of, sort of know Tim Mackey. He's one of the guys talking. We were in Madison at the same time. He moved to Portland to start this, and it's an amazing resource. Again, so on your own, you want to watch these videos or in your small group. But again, if you're interested in like just watching these videos, again, it's a short video, and then discussing it, asking any questions you might have, I'm going to do Zoom Bible study uh, on either Wednesday or Thursday, 9 to 10 p.m., uh, as we wrap up uh, this morning, uh, I just want to talk real quick about uh, engaging in the scriptures. And the third thing I want us to kind of understand is there's really kind of two main ways we can interact with the scriptures, and that's with our heads and with our hearts. And next week, I'm going to dive in a little bit more about uh, how to engage God's word with our minds through study. And as I wrap up today, I just want to talk a little about engaging God's mind with our hearts. And then maybe this week, Andrea is going to share a little bit on uh, kind of on that as well, on meditating on scripture and uh, for our mosaic midweek and, and what a practice that can be. Right, Andrea? Yeah, good, good. Uh, sweet. Uh, so um, one of the things that uh, how we can engage God's word uh, with our hearts is an ancient practice called Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina. How many of you have heard of that? Yeah, quite a few of you. Good, good. Um, this is a way to engage God, not just through study, not just kind of just reading it as a story, but really meeting with God. And the way to do that is come you know, in the morning, again, I want to encourage you to start your days off with, with God and his word. You know, turn your phone off, leave it in another room, situate yourself in a quiet place, you know, calm your body and your mind, and, you know, 
pray to God and get ready to receive from him. Invite the Holy Spirit to, to guide your thinking and your feeling as you prepare to meet with God in his word. There's kind of five steps for it. There's, there's also kind of four steps, and, and there's kind of different ways you can do this, but uh, here's what I'm going to share. The first step is just to read. Read that passage, and I would encourage you, like, a Gospels are really great to do this. Psalms are good as well, but read the passage slowly and carefully. Take your time. As you move through the text, pay close attention to what words and ideas draw your attention in unique ways. You know, maybe your focus is drawn to a, a particular word or thought, and pause momentarily to reflect on them. After you read it, reflect. You maybe you want to go back to the beginning and read it a second time. And on your second journey through, allow the, the text to connect with you personally. You know, which words or phrase kind of really resonate with your heart, of your season of life, kind of who you are. And then ask, God, what do I need to know? What, who do I need to be or do in light of this text? What does this mean for my life today? After you read and reflect, it's a time to respond, to pray, talk to God about this experience. If you're confused, God, why did Jesus curse that fig tree? I don't get this. Tell him that. If, if you're moved, wow, Jesus reached out and touched this leper who no one had touched him or hugged him or shown any affection for 18 years. And when Jesus could have just healed him with a word, instead he reached out and actually touched the man. Wow, that's amazing. You know, and if that moves your heart towards worship, then, then do that. If you read something and you're like, it makes you upset, tell him about that. You know, just respond to what the text brings out in you. After you read, reflect, and respond, then, then contemplate. Before you move on, just pause to sit in God's presence before fleeing from the moment. You can express wonder, awe, gratitude. Just, this is the time to just say, okay, God, all right, well, meet me, with me here. And sometimes God does meet with us in the text, not always, but sometimes as we sit there, he, he reveals something to us, and we're, just, we're kind of pausing, we're, we're contemplating. And then the last step is action. You know, what am I going to live out moving forward? You know, how am I going to take this into my day, into my week? This is a way of interacting scriptures with our heart. It's moving from just informational, which is good in study, to transformational. It's about quality, not quantity. It's about depth and mystery and heart change. And the goal isn't to master the text. The goal is to let the text master us. And the question is, who are you becoming? This morning, if you plotted the trajectory of your life, do you see Jesus expressed through your personality, your gender, your social economic status? Or do you see something else? In this goal of being apprentices of Jesus, I want to encourage you to spend some time, again, just playing your life forward. Imagine yourself at 70. Some of you, that's not that far away. Some of you, it's a long ways away. But imagine yourself at 70, 75, 80. And... In that moment, you're surrounded by your grandkids, your kids, and your grandkids ask you, Grandpa, Grandma, tell us about 2020. That was quite the year. What will you be able to tell them? Will you be able to say, yeah, that was the year where I started to take seriously the condition of my soul. And, and I started learning these practices, and, and that's why Today, I am who I am. That's why I am filled with more patience. I have more peace in my life. 
I think that's a really helpful exercise to kind of play that forward. Sitting on, you know, around the fire or the couch, you're surrounded by your grandkids. You know, how are your grandkids describing you? Are you a person of anxiety and worry and hurry? Or would your grandkids describe you as someone of, of peace? Someone of generosity? Someone of love who embodies hope? And for me, that's a helpful exercise because then I can see, okay, that's the goal. To have my grandkids surrounding me someday. And to be that kind of person, well, is the trajectory of my life leading towards that? Or do I need to make some changes so that I can become that person that I believe God has that vision for my life? Our vision as a church is to be a blessing to our community, to help people know that Mosaic is a place where they can belong even before they believe. We do this ultimately so people would believe that Jesus is Lord. Then we help them bring the good news of Jesus to their friends and neighbors. The way we become that kind of community is to be steeped in his word, to be hanging out with other believers, to be active in who God wants us to be. Would you join me in prayer? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who are joining us online and in person. I just pray again, God, that as as we imagine the future, as we imagine ourselves at 70 surrounded by our grandkids, or just friends, or just whoever. God, you'd give us a clear picture of of the kind of person you want us to become. So God, I pray for each and every one of us, myself included, we just learn to embrace the right kind of habits so that we could partner with your Holy Spirit to become that kind of person that you see us becoming. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're online, thanks for joining us. Uh, you, I think our host put the link for if you're new. You can click on a five-minute video to kind of check out more about who we are. We'd love to follow up and connect with you. For those of us who are watching online, we're going to wrap up our service with a 10-minute uh, kids' ministry lesson, and then Ethan's going to uh, wrap us up at the end. So go ahead and check out this kids' video.